Welcome everyone, as Fantastic Geek, your official, unofficial voice of the Marvel Cinematic Community, reflects on the journey that was Marvel Netflix. My name is Matt, and joining me as always is Pete. Hello, Pete. Hello, Matt. Hello, everybody. Yes, the grand experiment that was Marvel Netflix ultimately uniting the defenders of uh, Daredevil, Jessica Jones, Luke Cage, Iron Fist together, spinning off Punisher from Daredevil. It was going to last forever, Matt. Turns out it only lasted four years. But here we are, really kind of, you know, look back, a little bit of a eulogy for our Marvel Netflix experience. I certainly agree that it only lasted four years. I think, though, one can recontextualize that number. First of all, the output of episodes is uh, through the roof. I, I mean, easily over I, 100 episodes. I can give you the number, Matt. I think we discussed this in a previous uh, Jessica Jones podcast as we finished that third and final season. Um, there are 161 Marvel Netflix episodes that across the four feeder series again, Daredevil, Jessica Jones, Luke Cage, Iron Fist. Then you add in two seasons of The Punisher. Then you add in The Defenders. My question for you, Matt the network that uh, Marvel, uh, you know, has their broadcast uh, shows on. Um, primarily ABC, how many Marvel shows have aired? How many Marvel episodes have aired on ABC? Um, I think less than that, maybe about 150 uh, when you think six seasons You're of age. One off. Very Ooh. good. 149 episodes have aired to date. 123 for Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., uh, 18 for Agent Carter, Eight for Inhumans. Um, when the final 13 episodes of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. air next summer, Matt, stunning when I looked over the math a little while ago, okay, ABC will edge ahead of Netflix by one episode wow. 162 to 161. And what I think is astonishing in that in those numbers and particularly in the Marvel Netflix portion is it was vaguely clear in October of 2013 when this deal was struck, when, when a season of Daredevil, Jessica Jones, Luke Cage and Iron Fist would all feed into a Defenders miniseries with the possibilities of future seasons from there. That was at a point where kind of the future for TV in terms of, not just streaming, although that, you know, that obviously had been around for a while, but now in this modern day as we record this 2019, that really is heating up as a competitive space. Uh, but also this notion of creating that back catalog and creating value that's going to last theoretically forever. I don't know that that was as kind of out there. I mean, certainly, you know, people know Star Trek has been a lasting brand and I Love Lucy and the Honeymooners and things of that sort there'll be this surprise second life. You know, the 
the Batman show from the 60s, then a hit to a new generation in the 80s when the movie came out and the show was being rerun. But just this notion that in four years, 160 episodes would be made under the Marvel Netflix banner. And these are episodes, these are stories that are going to last forever. Maybe not forever on Netflix, but they're going to exist out there as this chunk of storytelling for good or for ill. And I think for the most part, you know, we had a good time with most of these seasons and certainly with all these characters, we were entertained, uh, sometimes delighted, sometimes aghast. Since we finished Jessica Jones, I've been going back and looking at some of the other shows and, you know, the Defenders bringing them all together. And I think back when they pulled the plug on Punisher and Jessica Jones uh, as the last two shows that had not yet been canceled. And Jeff Loeb, head of Marvel Television, published his letter, you know, that Matt read dramatically in our podcast to talk about that. You know, it they had said, never been done before. I, yeah, yeah. And and nailed it. Um you know, defenders should have represented the high water mark, the zenith. And instead, in 2018, each of the feeder shows produced a season of television. You had Jessica Jones, then you had Luke Cage, then you had a really hastily advertised shortened 10 episode run of iron fist. And then you had daredevil. Um, and then they gave us punisher in, you know, with, with like next to no notice in January of 2019. So really 2018, I think was the high watermark given that all those shows produced one season of television. And I'll still, you know, remember, for probably as long as I live, the electricity of being in um, the main stage area at the uh, Jacob K. Javits Center in New York, home of New York Comic Con, the night that we were there for the Marvel Netflix panel and they announced Ink Still Drying, uh, Sigourney Weaver was going to be the villain in The Defenders and had the ability of voices and energy um, to explode a roof, it, it would have happened. It was ridiculous that night. And the series just never lived up to those expectations. And, uh, you know, they, they had a little bit more gas in the tank, but I, I think they saw the writing on the wall that if we could bring the four of them together in a mini series in a limited series and not have it be this big event we thought it was going to be well hey we're netflix we don't back anything after three seasons add to it and i'm quoting here from the uh the defenders uh page on wikipedia which i know you know pete you always remind people of the the mutability of uh wikipedia but Here's a, here's a quote here from the end of their, their intro paragraphs for Defenders. Third-party analysis indicated that the miniseries was the least-viewed Marvel Netflix series, at least at the time, and had the largest week-over-week -week drop in viewership of them all, though it was the third-most binge-raced uh, series globally at the time of its release, according to Netflix. A, I mean, I don't know 
I was going to say I don't know who to believe as though Netflix and third-party analysis are, are equal. I would argue you know, Netflix has a, a vested interest to make its numbers sound good, whereas third-party analysis, I, I don't know who's doing it. I mean, it could be a company that's trying to get their own juice, but one would presume that their analysis is meant to be accurate. And I guess that's a, a vague numeric way of agreeing with you, Pete, that anticipation for this and even uh, I think it was at at that Comic-Con, maybe the year before, it was one of them where Jeff Loeb seemingly, and I, I think this was a genuine moment, seemingly was struck with the realization that all of the defenders were uh, backstage for separate things and brought them all out. And he said, this is the first time you're seeing them all together. Um, those moments of anticipation were not met by the defenders as a miniseries. I think, too... To have that first season of Iron Fist be the last thing that we saw before the Defenders, that was not good for the audience journey. I'll add to it, Pete. You know, we'll we'll see in five years and ten years. Are streamers still dropping entire seasons of episodes, or are we moving to more of a weekly model? I would argue that I think for a variety of reasons we're going to move and stay at a weekly model. You know, to have thirteen episodes drop. You know, you have your week of, oh man, Daredevil, and then it just goes away until the next show would come back in four months and six months and eight months, which is different than the 13-week journey, take a break of six weeks, oh man, the new season of a Marvel Netflix show is on, and kind of the journey continues, the audience moves from spot to spot. Yeah, that water cooler aspect, to take it week to week and be able to discuss it. And there have been studies done on this and Matt's gone through this himself. You know, he binged game of Thrones to catch up and will text me during an episode who is bald beard and lady McDeath and, and things like this. And I got to give them names as opposed to, I can tell you what was going on in my life when the red wedding happened. Um, so I mean, that's a discussion for another time in terms of how things are going to air, going to stream, etc. Um, but I'm not at all surprised that you give me that viewership. I know so many people. I know so many listeners who have watched Daredevil, Luke Cage, Jessica Jones, Iron Fist, most all some. I know very few people who have watched the defenders and that that pains me given that I think it redeems that first season of iron fist. Um, you get all those characters together. Did it work out as well? Did it have the grand scale that we expected? I don't think that it did. I think they ate up a lot of budget with their cast. Um, it's still really, really watchable. And then, like I said, when you transition to here's one year in which every calendar season we produce one television season of these four feeder shows and it just felt like, all right, they're rolling now. Maybe they go back to Defenders, maybe they don't, but these shows are growing and then, you know, we hit last late September, boom, Iron Fist. Oh, yeah. Hey, remember that super exciting tag at the end? Yeah, well, he's dead. He's, he's just dead, not, not the character himself. 
Um, then, oh, boom, a week later, Luke Cage. And then we're hanging on with Daredevil and perhaps the cruelest stroke that they allowed a pitch of a fourth season of Daredevil. They made him wait a week and then they said, uh, thanks, no thanks. That is all true. I, I will just add to it maybe two other layers. One is it seems that it seems that Marvel was unwilling to lower the episode count down to 10. Um, and, and then Netflix also, I think, was increasingly looking at the um, the business militarization of streaming and realizing, you know, we can be partners with Marvel, a subsidiary of Disney, but Disney's going to war uh, with Netflix creating Disney Plus, maybe it's just best to, you know, to <laughs> to divorce either amicably or otherwise. Maybe it's best to just retreat to your separate corners because the war for the next ten years is coming. I know, Pete, something you and I have frequently discussed on the podcast and off with all of the uh, the, the venture capital money that Netflix uses. It, it does not make a profit. Netflix has never made a profit. You know. Is it Amazon 10 years from now, successful, highly profitable, highly diversified, or is it Toys R Us out of business? Heck, Pete, in the well, last two back, weeks. Coming back, Matt, coming back this holiday season. Well, in, in the last two weeks, side note, the Toys R Us sign on the side of the Toys R Us I grew up going to, the sign was finally taken down. Just a reminder here that, you know, a lot of these businesses, any kind of business, you're gambling on your future and... Netflix figured that out, and I think that it's easy to say Eve on Netflix, saintly Marvel, a little bit more tug and pull in the middle as both get ready to to divvy up that finite number of dollars that we that we are willing to spend on streamers. I remember the excitement of waking up super early on a uh, Friday morning um, when the first season of Daredevil had dropped all at once. This is back in April of 2015. And Matt and I are going to record two podcasts that day. And then another that weekend be three into a 13 episode season. And I remember, you know, getting those podcasts in and then watching a bunch of, uh, the rest of this, the season and finishing it. And just like, Oh my God, this is a game changer as far as TV is concerned, it dominated the headlines for several days. It was, I think, like four days went by and they were given a uh, a renewal for a second season. It was very, very quick. Um, Back when this, Netflix used to do things like that. Yeah. And and this was the future. And, you know, they they gave Daredevil the second season of the Marvel Netflix run. And, you know, suddenly we, we started to see some of the, the cracks. We started to see some of the things, you know, don't get me wrong. I, I like that second season very much. We get the Punisher spun off again. Bernthal's tremendous portrayal of that character. I think yet another disappointing aspect of this, you know, uh, marriage hitting the rocks. Um, we get Electra. OK, Um and, you know, it's really kind of a hodgepodge in terms of uh, what's going on there. All right. And, uh, you know, I, I think Daredevil in, in three seasons, very, very good show. Never quite as good as it maybe 
could ever be maybe as as good as we could have hoped I feel like that may have been the case for a number of these seasons. I think it took quite a while. Uh, I would argue too long, particularly since uh, it really only uh, met a certain formula towards the end of of Marvel Netflix. But in my mind, too much time saying we're going to spend an entire season of 13 or 10 for the one season of Iron Fist. We're going to spend 13 episodes on this one arc. We're not going to split it up in any way. We're not going to do anything other than introduce the villain or the villainous force in the first episode. And I say villainous force, you know, like maybe, maybe you hear about Kilgrave and you'll meet him in episode two, but you know, his villainy is, is there in the first one or, or things of that sort. Get that introduced in the first episode, get it resolved in the last episode and no deviation from that really until we get, in my mind, to Jessica Jones season three, where it takes a while for the ultimate villain to get introduced because there's other story things happening. And, you know, his villainy is not the end-all and be-all to the season. He, he meets his exit, and then there's ramifications there. So you, you kind of have a season made up of thirds, maybe not equal thirds, uh, for that third season of Jessica Jones. Other than that nothing to kind of delineate this episode versus that episode, nothing to kind of, with a few exceptions, uh, a daredevil in there, uh, you know, the black and white episode, um, the Jessica Jones episode that barely has Jessica Jones with the exception of those, it was like the same style episode for that, whatever particular show it might've been episode after episode after episode, which I don't think necessarily helped. That really, early run in the first season of daredevil where you're breathless to get more of it. And again, the way that the streamers edit the shows and you just let it run and then it goes into the next one. It was built for that. And it really worked early on, you know, where we're not allowed to say, I don't, I don't know, matter. We still allowed to say Wilson Fisk's name. <laughs> we, I we, we I don't can think say so. it now. <laughs> We can. All right. Yeah. The, the embargo is passed in, in 2019. Um, but, you know, those first four or five episodes where they're just building one upon another, you know, we meet our rogues gallery of, you know, people looking to get theirs in uh, in Hell's Kitchen and, and build after the incident. And, you know, you just felt this tr- tremendous trajectory and again, I just don't think we ever, you know, caught up to the promise of it all. It was when it was good, it was good. It just never became great. Maybe we're going to look back on it with different eyes um, the further we get away from it. But, you know, I mean, Daredevil, I think, will always be special because it was the first. Uh, I know you have a very soft spot were Jessica Jones. I really enjoyed it. I don't think I, you know, hold it as high as you do. I know my biggest thrill with Jessica Jones was seeing the first episode with you at New York Comic Con and watching the credit sequence that aped the music you had put together for our podcast and they had not yet heard. Uh, yeah, that was certainly a special moment. Pete, that's why we started this retrospective with, uh, with that music. 
and and we're going to end it the same um certainly just kind of a maybe even flattering suggests some sort of connection between the show and me that doesn't exist i'm certainly not saying that (laughs) that they did it with any knowledge at all i mean it's emmy winning music uh that jessica jones has i think for the title uh sequence music not the series music but by the same guy but just to kind of know hey the thoughts i have about how you express the concept of the show with my meager musical skills in garage band hey a professional had those thoughts too um but pete there's a common thread here seeing that first episode in new york comic-con uh, of jessica jones i know we've talked about the season two uh premiere panel uh at the paley center new york the defenders panel at new york comic-con seeing the, all the defenders on stage as they hype their shows etc cetera, etc cetera. these are all exterior of these shows versus you know meanwhile in our marvel movie podcast feed the, the idea of multiple things setting up a thing worked pretty well for Avengers Endgame, uh, particularly as that gets read, that's already out on digital, get ready on its, you know, getting ready for its disc release. When done right, it becomes this cultural zeitgeist thing. When done wrong, you have, as you say, Pete, people who have enjoyed Daredevil and Jessica Jones and Luke Cage and Iron Fist who don't know that there's a team up or kind of don't care to watch the team up or according to these third-party numbers people just didn't watch it um all kind of question marks here in terms of a variety of factors i'll add one more to it pete defenders coming out the third week in august 2017 i mean that's not a time traditionally when people are going to the movies so i guess the good news is it wouldn't have had a lot of competition then but like it's also the time before uh before new shows traditionally are starting in september and october like it's kind of this dead period maybe that's then the argument hey put it in a time where there's not a lot of other competition okay i think that's also at a time where people just aren't watching a lot of shows on screens big or home you have to wonder too so you mentioned the time frame when that came out and right after it matt we were watching in IMAX the first two episodes of Marvel's Inhumans on ABC. So between Defenders, eight episodes, limited series, between Inhumans, not Netflix, ABC, limited series, because it got canceled after it aired, um, I think you have the Icarus moment of Marvel television to this point you know the big deal that inhumans went from being on the i think it was phase three at that point uh cinematic universe slate to no we're gonna do this for television and we have the man who realized iron fist to do it for us you know that gigantic hit Iron <laughs> Fist. And and please don't misunderstand me. I don't hate Iron Fist. I know I joke about Danny Rand. It's it's more of, you know, just attitude than, you know, really feeling that way. And I, I appreciated the show. Again, could it have been better? I, I think we can all agree. There there are some really over the top, you know, good niche things about it. 
um, you know, that Colleen Wing and um, Misty Knight are never going to get a show together, I, I think might be the biggest shortcoming of all the stuff that came out of Marvel Netflix. And maybe, maybe, Matt, with all the complication of these contracts, it happens somewhere down the line at some point. Who knows? Um, but Jessica Jones, you know, took what we had with two seasons of Daredevil and, you know, pushed it forward, gave us more of an attitude, gave us a, a different type of show to look at. And, you know, when we're talking about how it went, look at that. There they are, Daredevil and Jessica Jones, the, the two that scratched 40 episodes almost. I think as well, you know, if if there was something underwhelming about about Marvel Netflix as one kind of giant offering, you know, to what degree was that an organizational thing? I know you and I both have really high regard for Jeff Loeb, head of Marvel Television, and I'm certainly sympathetic to, you know, the when Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.'s pilot was shot, there was precisely one hour of Marvel television live action that he and everybody else at you know, Marvel TV HQ needed to, you know, to, to keep their eye on. Uh, fast forward to, you know, what is it, the 2017-2018 TV season, uh, yeah, where almost 125 episodes uh, were released by Marvel TV for live action. Uh, some Netflix, some cable, some uh, Hulu, etc. But you know, at what point? At what point were the right uh, seconds in command not chosen? You know, I think of Daredevil season one, created by Drew Goddard, who then doesn't hang around, I believe, after the pilot, and then you have uh, Stephen S. DeKnight as the showrunner. Season two of Daredevil. Petrie and Ramirez run it. Hey, they're also going to run Defenders, except Petrie leaves before Defenders. Then a third new uh, showrunner for Daredevil. You have steady hands in Melissa Rosenberg for Jessica Jones and Chio Hadari Coker for Luke Cage. But then, you know, both seasons of Iron Fist split by two different showrunners. Um, and, okay, stability certainly with uh, The Punisher and Steve Lightfoot. But the point being... One kind of doesn't sense that there was that cohesive central team like you have at Marvel Studios and Feige and his lieutenants uh, who don't get named as often enough but who have been around for this whole ride as well that really know how to delegate and know how to say, you know, okay, you know, uh, Taika Waititi, go make the movie you want to make then we're in charge of the edit and we're partners with you. But at the end of the day, this is Marvel Studios. And when you're done, you're done. And we take over with our editor. One doesn't sense there was that level of quality control, nor perhaps can there be with 150 plus episodes coming out in four years. But, but it's a shame that there wasn't that quality control. And I think what you're driving at is best illustrated in what happened with the abandoned third season of Luke Cage. And yes, they had submitted half of the season in terms of what they were going to do. And then the axe had fallen on Iron Fist and they brought him back and they were like, hey, you know what we're noticing in season three of Luke Cage? There's not enough of Iron Fist. 
needs some more of Iron Fist. And I applaud Chio Hadari Coker in that he had the vision for his show and they haggled and they attempt to make it work. But at the end of the day, it was like, that's it, man. Creative differences. And I think Iron Fist was was going to go regardless. And again, that what, what, what's the word I, I want to use? Captivating, uh, you know, just loaded with possibility tag scene where spoiler alert, you know, he's he's shooting guns with the fists and, uh, you know, we we load all this promise up and then it's it's pulled away from us. OK, but wait, Luke Cage is still out there. Those characters get along. Iron Fist had guested in one episode of Luke Cage. Um, Matt, I've never felt as cool watching TV in my life as that first season of Luke Cage. I think it made me a cooler person. And that's really hard to do. <laughs> and, um, you know, that they ran into creative differences. And that really started all of these dominoes falling. What what's the uh, what's one of the 14 million six hundred five uh, alternate realities where, you know, they figure out how to properly not overwhelm a third season of Luke Cage with Iron Fist. And then they decide, you know what? Yeah, we're going to we're going to spin Daughters of the Dragon off, too. Well, I hear what you're saying in terms of applauding Chihodari Coker for holding the line and maintaining his creative vision. Is it possible, though, that a better season, you know, is it possible that there could have been a great season of Luke Cage and the Iron Fist? Um, could that have been a great show? I mean, I think of, I'll return to Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. again, that so frequently is willing to kind of reboot itself and twist and turn but that's a lot of shows i mean i know game of thrones maintained its overall uh you know kind of narrative setup and whatnot throughout all 70 plus episodes but what was that show renowned for oh the deaths well what does that mean that means that they would reach a point in the story they'd cross the bridge and then they would burn the story bridge behind them and say we're not going back to the way that was we're going to do something else and whether that was because they're being completely guided by the books and the two guys were clueless otherwise or whatever whatever they were willing to say the show that's about hey this nice family that's hanging out up north oh man dad needs to go to the capital for a while maybe uh guess what that show is gonna last for two or three episodes then that show is gone oh man dad and some of the family intrigue in the capital what will happen next that show is gonna last for six episodes and that's gone and then dad's gonna be gone etc etc did Marvel Netflix, did any of these shows have that sense of, you know what, it's time to just, you know, spin the needle and see what new crazy combination we can, can end up with? Yes, it happened one time at the end of the second season of Iron Fist. Other than that, it was stay in your lane. And I think, let's say, first and foremost with Luke Cage being a show show run by a person of color about people of color yes let's definitely maintain that let's not turn it into necessarily you know luke cage and iron fist where now half the jokes go to the white guy and half the love interest goes to the white guy and you know are, are we going to maintain what the show was at its best if he comes in maybe not 
could you have had a still, you know, could you still have maintained an entertaining show that still had a lot of that perspective? Maybe Chihodari Coker would say no. I would have liked to see it. Was Iron Fist the tipping point? So, so much had been said. They cast Finn Jones and there had been a movement to cast a person of color in the lead there uh, as Danny Rand. And people were underwhelmed, though he was coming from Game of Thrones. They were underwhelmed by it. And then we saw it and they were more underwhelmed by it. Um, Was that the tipping point? Well, let me put it to you like this, Pete. There might have been points in the first season of Daredevil where it was like, all right, let's pick up the pace a little bit. But the fact that you have a disabled character, albeit with superpowers, doing these amazing things, that could kind of prop me up again. And first season of Jessica Jones, my goodness, she's, you know, suffered an assault. She's she's a victim here, but still she powers through, dealing with PTSD, depression, etc. Still, what in, you know, and superpowers and all that, but wow, what an inspiration. We don't see women like this on TV much. Then Luke Cage, same thing for African Americans and, you know, the notion of a bulletproof man in these times and whatnot. Then you get to Iron Fist and he's a rich white guy with rich white guy problems like, oh man, I can't get to my uh, to my inheritance soon enough. Am I right? <laughs> and it's like, that's when, you know, if there's stuff in that first season of Iron Fist that is less entertaining or slow or whatever, you kind of don't sit and say, well, hold on now. At least I'm seeing as a as a white middle-class urban uh, suburban guy, at least in Luke Cage, I'm seeing a little bit, just a little bit about life in Harlem as a, as a real black man through the, the, the lens of this fictional setup here in comic book powers. I'm learning a little bit about my fellow humanity. Did you get that in iron fist? Mm, not really. So I think, you know, was it a tipping point? I mean, maybe you look at all the hype for for some of the upcoming Marvel Studios stuff and Asian actors and all, all that hype that could have been Iron Fist. And it wasn't. Jessica Hennick remains the brightest point of Iron Fist. Um, but I have a really soft spot for uh, David Wenham's just manic Harold Meacham uh, Frankenstein-esque and I I think it only gets better on rewatch if there's a TV equivalent of like you know mystery science theater for Marvel that first season of Iron Fist is it well Pete (laughs) I must confess I have not gone back yet to rewatch season one of iron fist it's uh it's on the list i'll I'll get around to it eventually i guess um but again i kind of return to this notion of time will pass pete we will one day we'll, we'll make some tweaks on apple podcasts and this won't be marvel netflix anymore or it'll be marvel netflix now on apple or pardon me now on disney plus that kind of thing the notion this is after disney buys apple matt (laughs) wow um again this notion that these episodes they're going to be out there forever they're on netflix for the next couple of years and then the kind of the general assumption is they'll roll 
they'll revert back to Disney and whatever, whatever. But there is that opportunity to revisit all of these shows and hopefully along the way, revisit our podcasts as well. The Punisher, uh, something we both looked at in that first season and said, you know what? So unexpectedly good. I mean, we were interested in the character spun off from Daredevil, but Bernthal just brought it to another level. Uh, popular in a way that some of the other shows weren't and just such a different story, such a different type of story from the other genres we had been told uh, throughout. And then that second season, that's just, it gets weaker and weaker and weirder as it goes along. And that's kind of where I, I also return to this notion of, maybe the output was so great that there wasn't the quality control to have in the first season of the Punisher, this really nuanced take on, uh, life as a veteran, obviously core to the character, uh, to deal with some of the issues of domestic terrorism, uh, you know, white supremacy, ma toxic masculinity, things of that sort, to kind of touch on them, but not necessarily preach about it, but to work it into the story in a way that that fit the character, a character who is not super powered, let's not forget. So there's kind of one less tool there to be like, oh, I don't know, it's just radar vision. You know, it's 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 a more grounded character. To have all of that one year, and then I guess almost two years later to have that, you know that second season of Punisher that was a shell of the first season. You know, not even two years later, Matt. I mean, look at the dates: November for season one of 2017, January of 2019. All right, yeah, so two. thirteen and a half months. Yeah. Um, you know, do I blame Steve Lightfoot, showrunner for season two? Uh, I guess, but then I also need to credit him for season one. So, you know, what's going on there? I don't. I don't know, and that's kind of, I feel like, in my mind, Daredevil got better each season and maybe benefited from those showrunner uh, changes, or maybe the characters of the Daredevil label are resilient enough to bob this way and that. You know, there's less characters unique to Jessica Jones as, as a, you know, a, a vaunted property did it with Luke Cage, Iron Fist, and The Punisher. Uh, but I don't know. There, there remain these question marks, particularly moving forward with streaming being this big thing. You know, it, was Netflix right? Should have these should these always have been 10-episode seasons? Uh, I don't know. Is Hulu right that you should do, at least I know Hulu splits it, but, you know, that you should do one per week? Something in this, something in this grand experiment of Marvel Netflix, something in that recipe didn't, didn't fully satiate our appetites. And I gotta wonder why is it that the sum is not as good as the parts? Each of the shows shined for the most part. Step back, Iron Fist, on their own. Defenders. Not as much. And is it the, well, I've got to put in the work now and watch four feeder shows till I can watch this show. And then again, the number of people I know who have seen all four and they're like, yeah, I just don't want to watch eight episodes of all four of them. 
why why not what it what is it that you know the the defenders this is the street level avengers this is a massive massive deal and it just never does it the way we were hoping it does is it maybe because we did 26 episodes of the hand before getting to the defenders i refer to daredevil season one and iron fist season one like I know I was big guy of daredevil was the, the hand season. Ah, absolutely. But I mean, again, kind of just point being, I don't know. Did we need all of that just to get to, Oh, and the hand are really, really super secret. And I don't know. Are you referring to the iron fists, mortal enemy, the hand, you know, Danny Rand of Rand enterprises protector of Kun Lun and sworn enemy of the hand. Uh, yes, it was that hand. And I mean, look, if all these stories are dependent on the conflict and if a great conflict needs a great villain, was the hand as an organization built to be a villain for, uh, math for 34 episodes. Pete, that is how long we fought the hand. I mean, that is a huge chunk of time, a huge percentage of Marvel Netflix, a huge percentage of TV, 31 hours, et cetera, et cetera. I would argue too much, too much setup to get to a bunch of villains. The low-level guys are, you know, karate zombies who can't die, and the upper-level people are also karate zombies but more multicultural <laughs> who also cannot die and madame gal is awesome but and has more yeah. screen oomph than than sigourney weaver there's a problem with that i just look back at the characters and the performances we got it's going to be hard to ever imagine somebody other than charlie cox playing daredevil and to see how he was revered amongst the cast and crew uh, right before the third season came out, when we were last at New York Comic Con last fall, was a special thing. Kristen Ritter is Jessica Jones. I don't think Matt will ever get another Jessica Jones. Um, we've had two Daredevils. I don't know if we're ever going to get another Jessica Jones. Okay. Mike Coulter, you know, essentially came out of nowhere. Yeah, I know he was in Men in Black 3 because everybody loved men in black three. Um, but he was a tremendous Luke cage. Um, a lot of other people could have played iron fist and Bernthal easily the best punisher to date. It's going to be interesting when, and if that ever gets revisited and all their supporting characters, whether it's Deborah Ann wall, Eldon Henson, I mean, Vincent D'Onofrio and the tremendous work he did in two seasons, of of daredevil um you know i i think of carrie ann moss in jessica jones i think of uh mahershala ali in that first half of luke cage and then he leaves and he goes and he wins an oscar okay um and again sigourney weaver in the defenders you know their their casts were really really up to par, I guess it was the storytelling at times that wasn't. Well, Pete, we may never know. We may know. I mean, 
one would imagine theoretically at some point all this will get rebooted. I don't think it's going to be, you know, season four of Daredevil starring the whole cast with all the producers and, you know, Deb, the the lint uh, roller lady from Wardrobe back. And hey, there's Steve, the boom mic operator. Like, it's not being copy pasted into the Hulu world just because of real world conditions like people get other jobs and if you know charlie cox gets offered whatever the starring role in the next great show that you haven't heard of it's gonna be on hbo in 18 months and that runs for the next 10 years because it's the game of thrones successor in in popularity if not in style well how are you getting charlie cox back etc etc i know people would say well charlie cox should just sit everything out until disney can hire him back that's not how these careers work where it's a finite amount of time that you look like Charlie Cox in your 30s, et cetera, et cetera. But eventually these will get re- remade in some capacity. Um, maybe, you know, um, I was going to say Marvel, Netflix. You know, maybe maybe it's The Defenders, the hollow novel in 50 years or 100 years. Who knows? The VR experience. Can you, Pete, be Daredevil? <laughs> no, I can't. <laughs> but... We, we got these and they exist and you can go back and you can watch them all. You can watch some of them. They're there. And we've been along with you for this ride. Matt, we are the only podcast that has done every single episode of Marvel Cinematic Television. Do you know how many hours of TV we're up to when you count all 11 series that have aired to this point um well i think <laughs> i know by the end of next summer it'll be over 300 because we were in the 150s we, we, for we've been over 300 for some time we're at 353 to this point well certainly the entirety of our marvel netflix coverage will remain online for as far as there are bleeps and bloops this episode that we are starting to conclude now, this is a conclusion of our Marvel Netflix podcasts, but also is going to live as the first episode of our Marvel Netflix podcast by Fantastic Geek. So for some people, this is maybe a beginning point, not an end point. And to that feed, we're going to be adding in pretty rapid succession uh, all the prior episodes, they all kind of live in that one place in the Marvel Netflix sphere. So if you are listening to us in the far off crazy future and everybody's on hoverboards and using food replicators and this is your beginning point, well, Pete, how many episodes of Marvel Netflix are there ahead? There are 161. So with the 162 that ABC is going to have, Matt will have. 162 podcast episodes to match that on the Netflix side. And certainly this entire journey starting all the way back on April 10th, 2015 with the first season of, uh, of Marvel's daredevil. And in a certain sense, concluding today with, with this, the end point of our Marvel Netflix coverage, uh, it's all been made possible by the people who go to patreoncom slash fantastic geek, help make sure that our, our real world costs uh, are, are helped out, keeping us listener-supported. I'm talking bandwidth, storage, a lot of that behind-the-scenes, boring, techity-tech stuff. These podcasts will live online because of those patrons. Everybody who contributes gets access to exclusive podcast content. All it takes is a dollar 
to get you in the door. And there's all sorts of levels past that. But Matt, what if I am not in a position to contribute? Certainly, these can be tough times, but there are non-monetary ways to contribute. I'm talking about sharing news about Fantastic Geek on Facebook, on Twitter, on other social medias. Pete, on future social medias as we as we talk to people in the future. Uh, and leaving us reviews on Apple Podcasts and the other podcast platforms where these uh, podcasts appear. All of which is free. Pete, something else that's free is talking to you on Twitter. How can people do so as they reflect on Marvel Netflix? You can find me on Twitter at Peter, P-I-E-T-E-R-J-K-E-T-E-L-A-A-R-10,604. Followers can't be wrong. And while I am personally on Twitter as Looking Back Lost, do be in touch with the podcast, comment on fantasticgeek.com. Check us out on Twitter, Instagram, Gmail, where we are Fantastic Geek as well. But wait, Pete, there's more. Facebook.com slash Fantastic Geek with the PH, all one word, like it today. Well, Pete, I know that the adventure continues on our pop culture podcast feed where we still have some Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. to talk about as we're getting ready for this new TV season. God friended me, Watchmen, The Mandalorian, Star Trek Picard. That'll at least take us, Pete, into uh, the end of winter. So, you know, the, the next two seasons or so. Uh, natural seasons, not TV seasons. So good times there ahead, but... Pete, here it is, the end of the road, the end of our Marvel Netflix coverage, a little bit of a little bit of a tear on my cheek as I say adios to all the listeners and give you, Pete, the final word. And I'll miss you most of all, Iron Fist. <laughs> <laughs>